Well, you asked me about uh, Rob Zombies. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would say nice things about him, but you know, we did this. Uh, he lied about me. He said I was very cold to him when he told me I was going to, and that he was going to make it. Nothing could be further from the truth. I said, make it your own movie, man. You know, this is yours now. Don't worry about me. I was incredibly supportive. Why that piece of shit lied, I don't know. <laughs> he had no reason to. Why did he do it? So, frankly, uh, that will color my response to the film. Uh, if I take that away, I, I did not. I, I thought that he took away the mystique of the, of the story by explaining too much about the guy. I don't care about that. It's supposed to be a force of nature. He's supposed to be almost supernatural. And knowing about that, uh, was, and he was too big. It wasn't, wasn't normal. <laughs> Like not do this one, please. We, ha we have to. We we promised the listeners. Yeah, but promises are meant to be broken. Well, Rob Zombie broke his promise too. Okay. Well, fans, we get to uh, 2007's Rob Zombie version of Halloween. <laughs> Unfortunately, now he's saying, Travis, what do you mean Rob Zombie broke his promise? Well. And in the 2000s, we all know that was a boom period for uh, horror movie remakes. You had Texas Chainsaw, Nightmare on Elm Street. The list goes on and on. Uh, you got prequels. They're doing Exorcist prequels, sequels, and uh, it, it was a mess. I, I it was not. It really was not a good period for uh, horror fans, especially if you are fans of the original films like Dawn of the Dead, uh, as I mentioned, Texas Chainsaw, etc. Have you seen any of these movies, Monoxide? What did you think of that whole time period? Uh. Texas Chainsaw, that's the one with Jessica Biel, right? Yeah. I didn't mind that one. If I watch it right now, I probably would be like, okay, this is alright. I haven't seen it in a bit. Uh, what other movies came out? The the prequel to that movie? Texas Chainsaw yes, Massacre? The, the beginning. Oh, yeah, that I think that was hot ass. Um, no, but not hot ass in the sense of, like, beautiful hot ass in a porn movie. I'm talking, like, straight up ass. Like, like as if somebody shot in your gym bag type of hot ass. Um, what other horror movies came out at that point? Uh, Halloween Resurrection. Um, that's a movie I don't hate as much as everybody else, but I can definitely understand why people would not like it. Well, uh, do, do you like it for the wrong reasons? And we all know what that reason is. I mean, it does have Busta Rhymes saying, Trick or treat, motherfucker. I mean, right then and there, it's a classic in and of itself. I was telling someone, I was like, look, Busta Rhymes was having a time of his life <laughs> doing that. Come see me, Michael. Come see me. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, the part where uh, he was supposed to be the real Michael, or he was supposed to be the, the fake Michael Myers, and then the real one's like right behind him. And, and he's he just shows the real himself. one to fuck off. He tells the real one to fuck off and, 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 and go back downstairs, and Michael actually listens to him. Like, this is a... Okay, sure. Um, Jason X, same reason. I, that's a movie that's like a guilty pleasure. That movie is absolutely a, 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 an abomination, because think about it. It's Jason in the future on a spaceship. I mean, it it's, it sells itself at this point. 
But yeah, that's that's just some of the many <laughs> many horror films that we got in the uh, the two thousand era, and oh, we all thought about the remake of Amityville Horror. I haven't seen that one. Uh, keep it that way. Okay, okay. <laughs> that's with Ryan Reynolds, right? Uh, it's been so long. I want to say it's Ryan Reynolds, but um, listen, it's been a while, and I remember seeing that in theaters along with the remake of The Omen. Oh fuck! I forgot they remade that. <laughs> Uh, wow. I, I feel sorry for reminding you. Well, I you were, totally forgot about that. You were probably better off. You know, the reason we mention these remakes is that many of us horror fans, even just movie fans in general, are against remaking a film that, for the most part, doesn't need to be remade. Because it was done so perfect the first time, why bother remaking it? How are you going to improve on a film, let's say, like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Well, it was just a matter of time before they were going to touch Halloween. But before we get to that, I'm going to read you a quote from Rob Zombie. This was an interview he did back in 2004 by our good old friends at BloodyDisgusting.com. His quote on remakes, my first reaction was to wonder what's the point, what the point of the remake is. I thought the same when they remade Psycho and now they're remaking Dawn of the Dead as well. I love the original so much that I just wonder what's the point of doing a remake of these great horror movies. What do you hope to improve on? And I have a quote here from an article he did for Are You Going Magazine back in 2002. And I quote, I feel like it's the worst thing that any filmmaker can do. I actually got a call from my agent and they asked me if I wanted to be involved with the remake of Chainsaw. I said, no fucking way. Those movies are perfect. You're only going to make yourself look like an asshole by remaking them. Well, he definitely wasn't wrong there. I'm going to read some more quotes and then I have a follow-up question for you at the end. There's another interview Rob Zombie did with DVD Talk back in 2003 and I quote remaking films that are already great is kind of stupid I don't really see the point end quote and another interview Rob Zombie did with MTV.com and I quote I don't think it's dumb because someone feels inspired it's done because someone sees money uh I guess Rob Zombie also saw those dollar signs and was like well hypocrisy ain't the worst thing in the world my question to you monoxide is Rob Zombie a sellout um, <laughs> he's definitely a hypocrite for sure. Cause he, if he's going on record to say, "Hey, well, I mean, these remakes, these these things are, there's no point to them." How much money did the first one make? The budget for his Halloween was 15 million, and it grossed 80 million in total. Well, not here's the thing. He was either gonna do one of two things. He could have done the psycho route and just do the scenes over, uh, like literally verbatim, and just have different actors playing the roles, or just do a whole new movie. Uh, how do you do a movie like Halloween, where it relied mostly on mystery? Why was Michael this way? Why was Michael evil? There's no real explanation in the first film. He just is. And he decided, oh, the genius way of do- looking at this is to give him a backstory. And not only a backstory, but one of the more generic ones that make you go, am I supposed to, like, not root for Michael? Because this dude came from a pretty crappy background. I think I know what happened here. Okay, please, enlighten us, because I'd like to know what was going on with Rob Zombie in his head. Rob Zombie was coming off the success of uh, Devil's Rejects. 
It made more money than uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. So Rob Zombie was doing fairly well for himself. And he saw what was happening with all these horror movie remakes and how some people were actually benefiting from it. So Rob Zombie quietly went back on his word and figured, you know what? Let me do Halloween before someone else does. Here's the thing, though. Rob Zombie was already an established musician at this point, a legendary musician. And that's how he got, that's how he got the directing job. He relied on his music career to really try to elevate himself into uh, Hollywood. And I, and I, and he saw an opportunity with Halloween. He already had a good relationship with Lionsgate and Universal, and they have connections with the Weinstein guys. So I think it was the Weinstein company that was behind the Halloween project. And he got the job. I wouldn't be surprised if he even brought up the idea to them. Yeah, this is... This is exactly, like, the problem with Hollywood, is that you just see a bunch of, like, hypocrites running around. It's, it, it's really amazing to me, to, like, how, how somebody can change in the drop of a hat once they see a box office number. Yeah, I, Rob Zombie, he did this to, to elevate his, his directing career. So, he, so yeah, he is a hypocrite. In fact, I have another interview he did in 2007 for IconsOfFright.com, and I quote, People thought I was only doing this for money. No, I could have went on tour and made ten times the money I made making this movie. It wasn't about money. It was just about really wanting to do it, and I think that's when movies work. Did this movie work? Uh, not at all. I'm sorry. Financially, it did. But as far as an artistic piece, which is what I'm assuming he's talking about, it did not. It really fell completely flat on its face. And I remember seeing this in theaters, too. And I'm still baffled that this piece of quote-unquote art still exists. And I'm afraid, and I'm sorry to use harsh language, well, it's not really harsh language, but harsh tone, if you will. But that is the truth. That this was not. I, I still don't know what he tried to accomplish with this film. Uh, I. It's it's so weird because I'm. I mean, Rob Zombie's not gonna tell you on. You know, quote, I did it for the money. But it, I do feel it was. He wanted a fatter paycheck. Well, he wanted more money. He want. It, I think it was more about boosting his direct directorial career, and he really didn't care what kind of product he made out of this film. He just used the Halloween name, again, just to boost his reputation as a director. He was given complete creative control from the Weinsteins or whoever was in charge. And I have a quote here from the cinemasource.com. And I quote, I think if I had told them, well, what if it's Michael Myers in space fighting Predator? They would be like, yeah, end quote. That's the type of, po that's the type of power Rob Zombie had over this film. He could have done that and Frank got away with it. The Weinsteins didn't care. They just wanted to make money. It's like, um, I don't know if any of you listeners listen to uh, epic rap battles of history, but there's one epic rap battle. It starts off, uh, I'm sorry if I'm spoiling this for everybody, if, if you're very anal to spoilers, please uh, cover your ears. But there's an epic rap battle. It's Steven Spielberg versus uh, Alfred Hitchcock. And it starts off with them, but then eventually, after they both give their verses, Quentin Tarantino comes in with his own verse, just in the both of them. Then after that, it's Stanley Kubrick, and the final act is Michael Bay. And the reason Michael Bay shows up is because everybody in their verses at least has a jab to Michael Bay, because they believe that Michael Bay 
is a crap director. And when Michael Bay comes on to give his verse, he literally says, uh, this game is about motherfucking money! And the, his whole verse is talking about how the whole entire game is about making motherfucking money. I think that's what Rob Zombie became here. He just wanted the money. This movie, really, I, I, I still don't know what, what message he was trying to send with this one. I, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's one of those movies where I feel like I, I watched something for two hours, but didn't really, like, learn anything from it. And it's sad because Rob Zombie is a gigantic horror fanatic. He respects the hell out of, out of all these movies, including Halloween. So why would you take uh, a precious film that, that is beloved by everyone and shit on it? Listen, everybody wanted to have that backstory from Michael. But really, was this the one that you wanted? Where he comes from a broken home, and oh my god, he's got an abusive father, an abusive mother. Well, no, his mother's actually the least abusive of the bunch. Um, he's bullied at school, and he doesn't get along with anybody. He's killing animals, and then he gets locked up because he kills not just Judith now. He does not just kill Judith, he kills... Uh, his father, and he kills the boyfriend of Judas. And, of course, they gotta make it as graphic as possible. Because, you know, make the death scenes as, as gory as possible. I understand, you know, it's... You know, they modernized it a bit. You know, you may, you may have to make it a little bit, you know, more bloody, more gory than the original. Okay, fine. But this whole backstory, honestly, it's just not that interesting. At times, it came up more comical than serious. Do, do you so, know why the original worked? They build a character like Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Laurie Strode. They put potential danger into her throughout the film, where she's being stalked. And they build and build, and they don't throw it to your face right away. They throw subtle hints with Michael Myers. Maybe they're obvious, but they don't just throw it in right away. They give you, like, a little bit at a time. And when it's finally time to do the chase, you're scared for Jamie Lee Curtis, and she's going to get murdered. And there's scenes where there's genuine fear that you think that Michael's going to catch up to her and kill her because he's just a crazy psychopathic killer. And on top of that, he could be anybody. Here... They decided that, oh, he's from a rundown family and he's murdering out of revenge. And on top of that, they made him into a freaking massive giant. They made him into another Jason. Why? I don't have an answer for you. Um, they start off with Michael Miles, Miles, Myers as a child. Again, like everything you just said, it shows how he was slowly becoming to the, to the shape, if you want to call him that. I don't think he's earned that name. Uh, we get introduced to Dr. Loomis early in the film, played by uh, Malcolm McDowell. Overall, I thought he did, he did fine with what he was given. Now, I, I want to ask you this. What did you think of the kid, Daig? Uh, I, I don't know the actor's last name, Daig, whatever. But what did, you, what did you think of his performance? wasn't bad. It just wasn't necessary. Because in the original, you barely saw him as a kid. 
You just saw, uh, from first point of view, him killing Judith Myers. And then, after that, he, um, if you saw the deleted scenes, you'll see him in the, uh, the psychiatric ward with Loomis. I think there's a scene in the second movie, the original second movie, where uh, it basically gives away the, the fact that Michael and Laurie Strode are brother and sister. But in this particular case, um, he obviously had way more dialogue, so he had more to say. He was fine. I didn't have any problems with the kid playing the role. It's just that it wasn't necessary. Yeah, the kid, the obviously Rob Zombie cast is someone who had a different look to him. I mean, he definitely he would stand out from, let's say, a, a line of kids. You would see him. You could, you would, he would catch your attention. He, he, you know, they gave him like a dirty blonde hair. Yeah, like that dirty blonde hair. I guess they wanted him. You know, he would look like someone. He would look like one of Sherry Moon's kids. Okay, fine, whatever. I mean, in the original, it was just a normal kid. And, you know, in the remake, Rob Zombie wanted to change it up. All right, Kate. All right, again, fine, whatever. He was fine, but as you mentioned, it was not unnecessary. It was unnecessary. That, really, the whole first 40 minutes of the film is unnecessary. Yeah. We, we don't get introduced to Laurie to about almost an hour in. Well, technically, you're introduced to her at the beginning when she's a baby, but... True, yeah. As, as an adult, no, you, you're not introduced to her. Well, she's not even an adult. She's still a high school student. High school teenager, yeah, to like almost about 50 minutes in. And apparently her two friends, one of them is played by Danielle Harris, who was also in the movies you guys just reviewed, Halloween 4 and 5. As, yes. Uh, Amy. Okay. But yeah, she was the only uh, returning cast member from any of the original Halloween films. And I don't know about you, how you feel about this, but I have nothing against these actors, but I don't know why Rob Zombie feels like he needs to shoot shoehorn in all of his friends. In a Halloween movie, to the point, it comes up more, it's just, it's distracting. Well, who would be his friends? Uh, I guess it's Ken. Ken Forey, he was Joe Grizzly in the bathroom scene where Myers got his, uh, his... Right. Uh, he played oh. the pimp in uh, Devil's Rejects, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You have, uh, of course, his wife. Can't make a movie without his, without his wife, Sherry Moon. You have William Forsythe, who, um, who was the sheriff in uh, Devil's Rejects. Uh, this was his first movie he did with Danny Trail. He worked with him in his, later in his other films. You had the, the, uh, the redneck asshole who was working alongside Danny Trail, who was in Devil's Rejects. You got Bill Mosley, Tom Tolles, who were cops, uh, at least in the theatrical version. They were, their scenes were cut in the unrated version. Sid Haig. The cemetery guy. Yeah, it definitely was more volatile than the original grave guy. It, to I me, get... it works here and there depending what kind of movie you're making, but it di it doesn't work here. Well, first and foremost, it didn't work here because the movie itself didn't work. Let's just let's get that out of the way. It, 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 his friends were distracted because the whole movie itself was distracting by the fact that it wasn't good. And, and back on Danielle Harris, oh, let's be honest, the only reason she got that part was because she agreed to appear uh, shirtless or topless. Hey, 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 there's no proof of that. There's no proof. Oh, well, we see it on screen. <laughs> we see the little Jamie, the, the little girl we grew up watching with Halloween's 4 and 5 now almost completely naked. Well, she is an adult by this point. She's literally 30 years old when she did this movie. 
hey, hey, I'm not complaining. Neither I'm, am I. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm just, oh, but what I'm saying is that may have not been the reason she agreed to, or why she got the role in the first place. All, all right, put it this Again, way. Well, we, well, well, it's been proven right. we can't, you know, keep Rob Zombie at his word. And I mean, he did say going in, he didn't want to cast any of the uh, Halloween alumni, but he gave a pass to Danielle Harris. And I think it was because she agreed to be topless. Okay. That is my theory. Can't change my mind on that. Okay, Steven Crowder. I don't know what the reason is. All I could just say is that she played one of the friends that actually survives at the end of this film. Which I don't know why she would have wanted to survive. Because then that would mean if there's a sequel, she has to come back. Yes, I... I... She survived for whatever you know for whatever reason. Um, I wanted to ask you, what did you think of the uh, the scene where um, where Michael has all the the mask he has like painted on the walls in his uh, little uh, jail cell? Um, if you're talking about the scene, uh, I mean, for what they were trying to accomplish, I guess it worked. But by by the same token, it just makes you wonder. Wait a minute, Michael has all these masks. Why? Did he all of a sudden become fixated on that white one? And how did he even remember that one to begin with? Because it, it was buried in an attic. It was it was buried in an attic. It was buried under the floor. So why I don't understand how the hell that that mask, which is made of latex, did not rot. How did he even know it was there in the first place? Because he killed I mean, his family I mean, and was thrown I mean, into a crazy home. I guess he made a mental note in his head to make sure I gotta get that mask back when I escape. But because... how does he know it was underneath a floorboard? Oh, he put it there after he killed the guy ah. or sister. So wait, he's a he, how old is he supposed to be when he killed his? I I'm I'm gonna uh, guess and say ten. So he had the wherewithal to go out there and say, "Hey, I just killed my family." Let me bury this mask underneath a, a floorboard just in case I need it in the future. Yeah, uh, he may have left a knife with it. I don't. <laughs> He's like, Here's I like, I like this mask. I want to use this like twenty years from now. But there's literally a part in the movie when uh, Doctor Loomis is questioning him about that night, and he literally sat there and said, "I didn't do that." Well, so I mean, he's, well, he was a little boy in denial. <sighs> Whatever. This is too confusing. We're, I'm literally playing mental gymnastics trying to figure this shit out. Well, yeah, he was in denial. I actually did like the scene where, um, where you know, Minnie I, Michael was kind of like losing his mind being in that a hospital or that or in jail. You whatever. know, I think he's in denial right now. Rob Zombie thinking that this was a good uh thing to do. <laughs> he's in denial. Th this whole thing was uh, okay. So yeah, he, he, you were saying stuck in the hospital. Blah blah blah. Yeah, he's stuck in the hospital. He kills that nurse, uh, which eventually, I think was, I think it was after that, he never spoke again. Yeah, and and like, what's the logic by uh, behind him never speaking again? I don't know. He just stopped speaking. Like he just one day decided, you know what? Let me not say another word ever again. I mean, granted, in the original, he never spoke, but. I mean, that was, it, that was a part of mystique is that you never knew why he didn't speak. You didn't. You didn't know anything about him. Right. Whereas here, it was just like, oh, he spoke at one point. He was a sick boy, and now he just doesn't talk anymore. And now he's seven feet tall. 
Yes. I don't know what the hell that hospital or that prison was feeding him that made him so freaking big. I I don't remember seeing any weights around that that uh jail uh, that uh psychiatric ward. I don't know. I, I guess Sherry Moon was tall. She was like five ten, but she, it's not like her husband was even taller. Usually that comes with genetics, and there was no genetic gene pool that was explicitly explained to show that he would become seven feet tall. I mean, making him so big is to me that is that is so typical Hollywood. It's like they always they gotta make all their serial killers tall and big. I think Leatherface was tall and big. I mean, they made Jason tall and big, too. Surprised they didn't do it with Freddy. Right, but I think... Uh, Texas... Uh, my memory's fuzzy on this, but I remember Leatherface always being a big dude. He was big, but he wasn't huge. I, I, I remember same, him... Same with Kane Hunter. He's a big guy, but he's not tall and huge. I remember... What's his face? Um, Leatherface not being as fat. I mean, he was more fat in the later ones. Whereas in the original, he was just more tall. But in Halloween, it was never explicitly said that Michael Myers was this giant. I mean, he wasn't short by any stretch of the imagination. Matter of fact, he was taller than most of the people that he killed. But it wasn't like he was like this, he was the Big Show or something. Or a great colleague. He was just a guy that could kill. Now they made him into a giant. Yeah, exactly. Because a guy, a guy who's not as big, could easily blend into like a, a, let's say, Halloween. Any any other normal person wearing a costume. Yeah, when somebody's like seven feet tall, it's hard to be seven feet tall and not attract attention somewhat. Although maybe Michael wouldn't care. Who knows? I. Uh... Uh, we, but about, as I mentioned, about like 50 minutes to the film, we finally get introduced to uh, teenager Laurie. And she's over here making perverted jokes at her step-parents in typical Rob Zombie fashion. Who the, who does that to their Who, who would make those kind of jokes to their parents? I was... It was so awkward! Yo, I, I, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's a just... Well, hold up. The person who played Laurie in this film is only two months older than me in real life. I was always deathly afraid to even say the word cock in front of my parents, or even the word sex. Like, that's not something I wanted to talk about to my parents. I never had that birds and bees discussion with them. But I never wanted that discussion with them. It's awkward as crap. Yeah, I never that either. I'm like, and, and, and this girl who's got this, uh, I don't know. And, and, and not only that, okay, so the first hour, or first 45 minutes, as you said, of this film is just showing Michael's background. The next, like, 10, 15 minutes, it's bum-rushing through what the original took about maybe four, 45 to 50 minutes as well, building the tension up to Michael chasing Lori. Yeah, we, thing, here we got, like, like, the basic cliff notes. Yeah, it just bum-rushed it. It's weird. Well, it's not weird when you watch this movie and be like, oh, yeah, what a surprise. Let's get right to the violence. Yeah. <laughs> this fucking movie. This this just did not feel like a Halloween film at all. It felt like, a, like an old cliche horror film with a cliche serial killer. Because... 
How long was that chase scene? At Did the you... end, oh my god, it went forever. It never ended. Like, at some point, I expected uh, somebody to start singing, Turn around, look at what you see, and start singing the never-ending story theme. Like, because this literally was never-ending. It just went on and on. At this point, I was zoning out. I was ready to hit the fast-forward button. All right, let's get to the fucking ending. Not only that, why is he trying to kill his sister? How did he find his sister? Like, uh, honestly, was he trying to kill his sister? Because it, it's never discreetly explained. It's funny, because in interviews I was watching with Rob Zombie, he hated the fact that in the original that Michael Miles was driving a car. Okay, fine. But he's, well, why Why is he getting chasing his sister? Why does he want to kill her so bad? How did he find her? Not only that, apparently in the movie, they explicitly said that with the hospital that he is at is 100 miles away from Hadfield. So how did he get there? He got there before um, Dr. Loomis did. <laughs> Maybe he teleported. <laughs> Maybe he teleported using, uh, like, Nightcrawler from the uh, X-Men. How did he get there? How did he know? How did he know where to go? What if, Did he get lost? No, I guess not. He got there pretty damn fast. Uh, yeah. You ain't kidding. I can't. I can't with this movie right now. I... No, nothing makes sense. Everything's all over the place. It's just shit thrown on a wall. Oh, here's, by the way, here's Brad Dorr playing the sheriff. He was fine. And another heart actor shoot Horton, but I mean, at least he did, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Sherry Moon was actually pretty good in this movie. I, I'll I, give him credit. I liked Sherry Moon in this. And, and I'm not, I don't even hate Rob Zombie. I like Rob Zombie. I think he's an awesome musician. He's one of my favorites. And House of a Thousand Corpses, I thoroughly enjoyed. I thought House of a Thousand Corpses was a great film. Because it was his story. And he didn't try to sh shoehorn all these unnecessary tropes into uh, a franchise that was really well established with its audience and was considered by m many a classic horror film. I, to me, this was uh, a huge eye-opener for the fact that, like, maybe we shouldn't let Rob Zombie um, <laughs> write, mo write movies anymore. Or take him at his word when it comes to uh, his thoughts on remakes. Yes. I think we covered everything we can with this movie. <laughs> we, we shouldn't have even touched this movie to begin with. Overall, <laughs> thumbs down... Um, let me give it the Roger Ebert. Thumbs down. It stinks. <laughs> yes. It is a stinker. It's... <laughs> it stinks worse than if you were to try and drink a 10-year-old can of Coke. It's terrible, but unfortunately, this movie made profit. It's so terrible that the song Terrible from ICP has a whole new meaning. It made so much money, they couldn't help themselves. We gotta make more. We'll be right back. <laughs> Fans, before we get to part two of Rob Zombie's Halloween, we recently reviewed Halloween's four and five on Chill and Killin' Podcast. We're gonna hear from Monoxide on his thoughts on Halloween's four and five. Monoxide, give us your thoughts. Halloween four is my favorite Halloween film of the franchise. Uh, it's the one film where I thought that it would have failed because usually child actors slash actresses 
aren't good, and that's not them. I mean, they're children. What do you expect? Children are children. They're they're inexperienced at life. They really don't have the uh, experience to really uh, gravitate towards real-life events. However, Danielle Harris was absolutely fantastic in these movies. She actually convinced me that she was in danger for some of them. Um, funny story. There's one kill in Halloween 4 that actually fucked me up as a kid, and it's not a kill that you would expect. Most people would think it would be the uh, kill where uh, he puts a thumb through the guy's head. Because throughout this movie, he's doing supernatural kills at this point. Kills that no human can feasibly do. But the one kill that actually fucked me up was the kill that he does to the character Brady, where he uh, takes his head and crushes it with his bare hands. That actually messed me up as a kid. Terribly. To the point where I think I would have nightmares about it. Um, now I look at the kill, I've seen it so many times, it's one of those kills that's just like, oh, okay, it's a cool kill and all that. But, suffice it to say, um, this movie has stuck with me because of that kill. It's one of my favorites, other than the shotgun through the stomach. And, uh, yeah, I thought the ending was very interesting. It was like the power was given to uh, Jamie when she touched the Michael's hand. And it really set the tone for the next movie. Because, again, this movie was considered part of the Thorn trilogy and would build up to the eventual uh, revelation of why Michael became an evil, cold-blooded killer. Uh, but then we get to part five. I did not hate part five. Parts of it, I liked. Parts of it was rushed. I would say it's a fine movie. Would I say it's a good movie? Maybe, but definitely not a great movie. It was definitely rushed, and that's part of what hurt its box office, because it was rushed so quickly. So, and, and then it ended on a cliffhanger where the cowboy, the hidden cowboy came in and shot up the whole jail cell and freed Michael. And uh, that was supposed to explain the events for Halloween 6, and then Halloween 6, oh, that's a whole other can of worms. But uh, I thought Halloween 5 was okay. It had some decent kills, the rake through the stomach. Uh, oh, oh, wait, there was one complaint that I have about uh, Halloween 5, and that is the character Tina. Uh, my biggest problem with Tina was that she opened her mouth, and she did it way more than once, and she needs to keep that mouth shut for all of eternity. So, really, that's all that I have as far as Halloween 5. And that was Monoxide's thoughts on Halloween's 4 and 5. Now, let's get back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. <laughs> it was worse than the first one. I didn't think it could get any worse than that. This gives a whole new meaning to the term dumpster fire. Okay, is it possible that Rob Zombie purposefully made it bad? He wanted to see how worse he can make the Halloween franchise. Oh, at, oh, at this point, he was just collecting a paycheck. Yeah. I really don't know what to say about this film. Like, well, They made Dr. Loomis into such an asshole. Everybody was an asshole. Everybody was super unlikable. Uh, having Danielle Harris survive in the first movie only to die in this one, but at least she uh, survives. Well, at least she didn't die in the beginning. She dies later on. 
And 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 what's what's with this white horse? Oh God! All right, hold on. Before we get to the white horse, don't get a fucking white horse. Originally, Rob Zombie didn't want no involvement with this movie. He said in countless interviews that he wanted no part, and he was already done with the Halloween franchise after his first movie. Well, I think it was around the MTV Movie Awards. He uh, asked one of the executives that was there, "Hey, how's how's Halloween Two coming along?" And they basically told Rob, "Like, Ugh, not good. We have we don't even have a director. We got we got nothing right now." And then that's when Rob Zombie changed his mind. You know, well, you know, we really need. We don't have anyone. You know, I'll be willing to fill in. So again, we can't take Rob Zombie on his word. He changed his mind, and before you know it, boom, he's directing Halloween Two. Now, originally, Rob Zombie, I believed signed. And a two-picture deal with the Weinstein Company. It was to direct any two film, any two movies for them, and and one of them, of course, was Halloween. And now he's using his second agreement now to do Halloween too. And then we get this piece of shit. <laughs> I now, don't even know what I watched. I gotta give Rob Zombie credit. The only reason there's a white horse in this movie, or whatever the fuck that's supposed to be. Was to shoehorn in his wife. Why? Because if his wife is in the movie, that means she brings home a, a big fat paycheck too. And that's double the money for the zombie family. Okay. Fair enough. But then, if you really wanted your wife in this one, why did you kill her off in the first one? Because he had no pl- no plans on making a sequel. Okay, hold on. He had no plans on making a sequel. The sequel was was a Weinstein decision. But why did you leave the movie ending so ambiguous? Uh, I believe he only made it as a one-off shot because at the time all the horror remakes were just one-off movies. Or before, you know, before of course they went prequels, sequels. But see, the thing is, okay, you can argue, okay, she shot my face. But the horror trope is, is that Michael survives his attacks. The whole premise of the original Halloween was that he survived getting shot, quote-unquote, six times. Now, I understand Michael, or excuse me, Rob Zombie did things differently. He gave Michael backstory. He made him seven feet tall because, for whatever reason, we need Andre the Giant and uh, William Shatner white mask for some reason. But why, out of all the tropes, you would think... Getting shot six times. Uh, I've been shot six times. Uh, he's not human. I mean, you would think that's one of the tropes he left, and I thought figured that was the trope that he left there. Because I, after leaving that movie, thought a sequel was coming. I I was almost sure a sequel was coming. So, uh, so is that the truth that he he brought in that white horse just so that he can have his wife in the movie? Well, I mean, he didn't make that public, but trust me, that's why he did it. And he, I'm pretty sure he thought he was trying to use something smart and mystique. Why the fuck is Michael Myers taking orders from a ghost? Is it a ghost? Supposedly, I mean, she's dead. She what? she shot herself in the first movie. That was well established. What? Hold on. Was it really a spirit or was it just their imagination? I don't fucking know. It probably was. Who gives a shit? It's dumb. <sighs> Fuck. I... So, wait. There's no symbolism to this white horse. It's just there. 
It's just there because he wanted his wife in the movie. Okay. All right. So so the white horse is it, it's not the pale horse that Johnny Cash talks about in that song. No, it's not. When the man comes around, no, it's not. It's so, the white. It's just it's just some white horse that just happens to be around, and his mother takes on this new persona. Yes. Which is that of what now? Like the convincing Michael to kill everybody? Because I, I don't know. Because apparently now Lori could see this damn woman as well. Towards the end, yes. But and, <laughs> and she smiles. <laughs> Spoilers, Steve. Okay, go ahead. Hey, we're, we're jumping ahead ourselves a bit here, but this this whole white horse is is completely ludicrous. It is so why why do we need this in a Halloween movie? Why do we need a remake of Halloween to begin with? Why? Why do we need Michael to be seven feet freaking tall? Why did they recast Dig? <sighs> Why am I asking you all these questions? There was a scene in the beginning of this fucking movie. Uh, well, you know, by beginning, I mean like 30 minutes in. We get introduced to uh, this. Now, the events of Halloween 2 takes place either a year or two years after the events of the first film. Depending which version you watched. Because at the actual, I believe it said a year later. And the director's cut, it said two years later. So they're not even sure. They're not even sure when the separation between the first and the second movie. Oh yeah, there's something I'd like to point out. This is from I I, I should have pointed this out in the first movie. So as you are aware, I said one of the kills that messed me up as a kid was in Halloween Four, the the face crushing that Michael does. Yes. This is not the first time that you've seen somebody crush a skull with their bare hands. So we've seen it again in Halloween Resurrection, and I think Jason has done this a couple times in a couple films. Now, Michael proceeds to do this to Dr. Loomis, and somehow he lives! He survived, yes, yeah, 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 towards the end of the first movie, yes. And for whatever reason, I guess it caused him enough brain damage to where it, it, it triggered the idea that, oh, wait, I'm not a nice guy anymore. Let me be the biggest prick there is. He was, Dr. Loomis became the biggest asshole in this movie. Which was not, okay, I get it. It's Rob Zombie's vision of what Dr. Loomis is, but. It's this, a shitty vision. It, it, well, that's, that's true, but there's this argument that's to be made sometimes, and I, and I understand it. When a video game or book becomes a movie, you'll see, the, the first thing you'll see is fans of the book or video game outcry that this is not what happened in the book, this is not what happened in the game. And you'll see some people defending the movie saying, well, if it's a good movie, who cares if it's well-written? It's like, the problem is, is that this is supposed to cater to that audience that bought the book and enjoyed the book or bought the video game and enjoyed the video game. And you're trying to cater to that audience, so why not just leave that in there? I mean, if you're going to tell that story to the new audience anyway. They're going to get the idea to begin with. It's not like it's niche. So when you're trying to cater to the audience of Halloween, who are going to be one of your main audiences for this, because, hey, they watched the original, why would you insert a trope that was never there? Dr. Lewis was never a jerk. Part of it's because Donald Pleasance was hard to hate as Dr. Loomis. Malcolm McDowell was fine as Dr. Loomis. Was he Donald Pleasance? Hell no. 
but he was a good Dr. Loomis. I, I accepted him. If there was somebody to replace Donald Pleasance because he passed away to play Dr. Loomis, fine. Michael McDowell, perfect guy. But to make him into a jerk-off? To a guy where I'm like, I hope he dies. I don't even want him to die because of Michael. I want him to stub his toe and then fall on his freaking skull and crack it open and then he dies. I'm sorry to sound harsh, but that's how unlikable he became in this film. To the point where I didn't even want to see him dead. I didn't even want to see his character progress. Just kill him off in the most embarrassing way possible. Like, uh, uh, creative's got nothing for you. Now, there was a scene um, when he went to his first uh, a meeting, I guess, or like a presentation explaining, yeah. uh, basically promoting his book. Now, now remember we said in the first movie, after he killed that nurse, Michael never spoke again, right? And eventually, uh, that same day, Sherry Moon killed herself in her in her house. Right. Now, in this scene, dot, uh, dot, they show a clip where Dr. Loomis breaks the news to young Michael about the death of his mother. And in that scene, Michael talked. So what? So now I'm even more confused. When exactly did young Michael stop talking? Because it was well established in the first film, he stopped talking after he killed that nurse. Or you could argue he stopped talking prior because Doctor Loomis wasn't getting anything out of him. And remember, and that's when he suggested to his mother that he, that he would he was taking shock therapy. All I could say is that while Michael stopped talking, Rob Zombie should have stopped directing. Really... He should have stopped writing. Yeah, because the. the, the... <laughs> Nothing about this film was it, it. It was like there's one part where Jamie, or excuse me, Lori is being chased in a hospital, and Michael violently kills this one nurse. Just repeatedly. Academy Award winner Octavia Spencer was in a Halloween film. I mean, you gotta start somewhere. Yeah, and just started getting uh, her claim to fame is getting stabbed repeatedly by Michael Myers. <laughs> all, for, all for this scene to be a dream. What was this post traumatic stress disorder or something? I yeah, she mentally she never recovered from the events of the first movie or some shit. Okay, and then she works at a music store where she listens to Jimi Hendrix all day. Uh, it, I I. I which I think, uh, is, I don't know if it's still supposed to take place in the 70s at this point, or the 80s. The 90s, the 2000s, who the hell knows? Like, Michael, like, Rob Zombie can't even figure out, like, what decade he wants the, these movies to appear in. And, um, and for some reason, everyone says fuck a lot in this movie. Yep, he took a page from uh, Scarface and decided to add seven fucks in a five-word sentence. I mean, even from the scene where Michael apparently escaped from that van when they hit that cow, the one guy that survived, uh, the Midnight Wolfman, actually, <laughs> he's, in, he's in there, he's like, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> it's, it's so unintentionally funny and stupid. <laughs> well, th this whole movie was, it's freaking stupid. So, Michael escapes from the van, he sees the white horse... And I saw a pale And then he was just, he was away for what? Two years? One year? Depending which version you saw? What the hell was he doing over that time? I, so there's the shit version and the even shittier version. Is what you're saying. Yes. I mean, at least for Halloween's 4 and 5, when they explain the year... 
the year difference, they explained that, you know, Michael was in a coma, was basically in a coma. Mm-hmm. And then once he woke up, woke up, he went back to doing what he does. Wait a minute, was that a five-year difference from Halloween 4 and 2? Oh, no, 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 it was a year difference. No, I no, no. Halloween's 4 and 5. Yeah, 4 and 5 was a year difference, but from 1 and 4, I think it was like... Because obviously... Lori had uh, Jamie, and then she gets killed in a car wreck. Wow, what a way for the main character who survived two films from Michael Myers to die. She dies in a car accident. That's the only gri- that's the only gripe I had of Halloween Four. It was like that's your explanation to why Lori Strode's no longer around. Okay, but I I'm literally running out of breath talking about this film. Should we talk about the the main scene from the director's cut? The uh, ending? That ending. When they're in the, the cabin. Yeah, the cabin, the yeah, barn, whatever. And and all of a sudden, Michael McDowell decides that he has he's not a complete heartless bastard, so he tries to go in there and talk to Michael Myers and convince him not to kill Lori in another chase that was unnecessarily long. Yeah, that whole ending scene. I mean, at this throughout this whole movie, it's been shoved down our throats that... Uh, Loomis is a complete asshole. He doesn't care about anyone but himself and his reputation. And now all of a sudden he sees a he's on he's watching the TV and sees a scene where Michael's in a barn holding Lori hostage. He's like, oh, I care again. Yeah, not, he doesn't care about his reputation. He literally is taking a uh, page out of Joan Jett's book. He goes but. to the, he goes there to see Michael. Um, I'm going by the uh, director's cut. A um, he grabs him. Well, don't don't say the scene yet, like the exact thing that we're thinking of. I know you know what I'm thinking of because we gotta remind people of something here. Okay, so before you continue with this, let me just reiterate. There is a famous movie out, part of a very famous franchise, which I also saw in theaters, by the way. I believe everybody loves the beloved series, or most people do, Star Wars franchise. The Star Wars franchise is a mixed bag with people because most of the movies, specifically after the original three, there's mixed press, especially with the prequels and the new ones. However, I like the prequels. I really can't get into the newer ones, but I was never the biggest Star Wars fan out there. I saw Revenge of the Sith in theaters because I was super intrigued to see how Anakin Skywalker becomes Darth Vader. It took the whole movie, but they eventually showed how he became Darth Vader, and I was satisfied. They even got James Earl Jones to do the voice. I believe that was James Earl Jones. I'm almost positive. So. And... There's a scene where he basically asks, in his Darth Vader voice, asking about Padme, his wife, who was pregnant. That's when Palpatine had to break the news that he accidentally killed her by using the Force. Or pregnancy, whatever. There is a legendary meme that comes with that. Darth Vader afterwards breaks free... And screams, and I'm gonna try my best to say it in the same way he did. No! There's a reason. Yes, there is a reason I bring this up. Now, let's continue. 
Michael grabs Dr. Loomis. He throws him through the door or the wall or the cabin. Either way, he ends up outside. Doesn't say he threw a window. Doesn't do a window. They're outside. He grabs Loomis, takes off his mask. Loomis is like, Michael! <laughs> and Michael I says... My, and then Michael says, die. <laughs> no, you can just say it like him. Die! <laughs> and he looks like Rob Zombie, too. He did. He had the rough the beard, the long, the long, dreaded, dirty hair. Yeah, like, literally, I thought when he ripped his mask off, he was going to scream, I feel so good. I feel so numb. Yeah. Why did he, why did he rip his mask off? I thought he didn't like his face being uh, shown to be. Uh, why? Why? Uh, why? I think he his hat mask off half the mo- half of the movie anyway. <laughs> why? Why? Why did he do this to Michael Lovett, Mike? So he kills Doctor Loomis. This is the director's cut. He gets shot up by the cops. Laurie comes out. I believe with a knife in her hand, and then she gets shot too. And then and it, it wasn't cuts... the bullets, by the way. No. <laughs> she got shot up, but she survived. And then we go to the end scene where she's in a hospital, from the looks of it, either a hospital or a psycho ward. And then she looks far in the distance in the hallway, and she sees the white horse. And her mother. And Cherry Moon. And then wait a minute, was her. Wasn't Michael there as a child as well? That confused me too, cause it made it look like it was like he Michael was seeing two different people. He saw his mother and for some reason his younger version of himself. That was fucking that's just stupid. You know what? I'm I'm in a room right now and I need to crack open some liquor. Just talking about this. I need I literally need a JD or something. I need a Remy. I need a <laughs> I need a Jaegermeister or something. Grapefruit, sea breeze, anything at this point, because I'm literally on the verge of tears talking about this. This, I in the theatrical version, the um, I believe she killed Michael in the barn and then came out wearing the mask. That's right, she did have the mask on. Uh, it doesn't explain why she decided to just like wheel the knife around. I know. <laughs> Whatever. I know during the movie she was having visions of killing off Daniel Harris and that she was kind of, I guess, the the bug was rubbing off on her about killing. I, I, I'm i getting so bummed out just talking about this movie. Could you just imagine, if you will, if Rob Zombie would have made a third fucking film out of this? Gotta go for the trilogy! Oh my god, I'm so glad that he stopped. I think even he realized that he couldn't fuck this up any further. The thing, the reason he did this movie because he didn't want nobody else fucking up his his great vision, his artistic work from the first one. Only, only if I'm gonna fuck this up, I'm gonna do it myself. And you succeeded, Rob. Yeah, well, they also say that porn is art, so I, I guess he's technically right. And that was Halloween too. Any final thoughts? My final thought is that this movie literally is just a free publicized uh, message for alcohol intake. This is this movie is the reason why pot should be legal. 
Because after you're done watching it, you're going to need some. You need LSD, so. too. I, I'm done. Thumbs, the thumbs all the way down. This is the worst Halloween film in the entire Halloween franchise. It's one of the worst horror movies I've ever seen. And probably not the worst. I saw this in theaters. I, was, I left that theater pissed off. I saw it in theaters, too. I wasn't pissed off when I saw it in theaters. I was pissed off when I rewatched it. And well, and that film is going to conclude Rob Zombie Month here from Fractured Skulls. Lovely. <laughs> I'm done. I, I, I can't speak anymore. Go ahead. I, I'm going to wrap this up. <sighs> yeah, this was a real bummer to sit through these movies, but we do anything for you guys here on Patreon. We're gonna we're gonna review better movies. We're gonna we gotta get our hopes up again. We plan on doing the VHS movies. Well, we don't we don't we don't have a full schedule yet for November, but uh, we'll you know we'll let you guys know. Yeah, maybe we should just surprise them. Ah, the element of surprise. Yeah, why not for this one upcoming? Just this one. See how it turns out. Yeah, we can do that. And with that said. We are exclusive on Patreon.com slash Chill and Killing Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Chill and Killing P1, Instagram, Chill and Killing Podcast. You can listen to this episode, and if you pay for just $1, you can get access to this episode and all of our past episodes here on Patreon for Monoxide. I am Terminator Travis. Happy Halloween, everyone, and don't forget to vote. And uh, have, a, have a great weekend. Yeah, and uh, don't kill anybody. Remember that.